Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Thank you, Brian Maine, for that introduction, and welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We are continuing our look at a book titled Mormons Believe What? Fact and Fiction About a Rising Religion. It's a book written by Gary C. Lawrence, who is an LDS pollster. He did serve as a bishop in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And the reason that we wanted to look at it is because a lot of the issues that he brings up are things that we hear Mormons using out on the streets. And if this book is supposed to help Latter-day Saints explain their positions to non-LDS people, then certainly there's some things being said that we think need to be clarified. Now, we spent the first couple of shows looking at the reason for this book. He also talks about why Mormons don't believe in the Trinity. But today we are going to look at chapter 8 in his book titled Mormons Worship a Different Jesus. And of course, that accusation does cause a lot of Latter-day Saints to get really upset. Now, I've had Mormons say, yeah, you're right. We don't. We don't worship the same Jesus. But apparently Mr. Lawrence thinks that the Jesus of Mormonism is the Jesus that the rest of professing Christendom believes in. He writes, but it is insulting and unfair to insist that the LDS do not worship the same Jesus as other Christians. By analogy, a Protestant might consider Martin Luther an inspired instrument in the hands of God to reform the wayward Christian church. A Catholic might rather consider Luther to be a wayward priest who was gravely mistaken. Clearly, the opinions about Luther may differ, but it would be absurd to insist that Catholics and Lutherans are each talking about a different Luther. Now, personally, I don't think Mr. Lawrence's analogy here is really a good one. The problem that we have with what Mormons have said about their Jesus is because they themselves have said that their Jesus is different. If you have Mormon leaders insisting that the Jesus they believe in is not the Jesus that Christians have historically understood and believed in, then why wouldn't we say that it's obvious that the Jesus of Mormonism is not the same? In your review of this book that people can find on MRM.org, you say this, you say, when evangelical Christians say that Mormonism has, quote, another Jesus, they are referring to 2 Corinthians 11.4, which reads, For if he that comes preaching another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. Now naturally, this is the Apostle Paul addressing the Corinthian congregation, which was a very dysfunctional congregation, and he's saying, look, it's quite possible that someone could come along and tell you about a Jesus But it's not the same Jesus as you are to believe in and understand. That's our premise. When you have Mormon leaders saying it's a different Jesus, and then they go on to explain what they think about their Jesus, and certainly we can't find those attributes in the New Testament, why shouldn't we make that an issue? 
an illustration I would bring out would be this movie that I'm going to tell you about. It has a character named Darth Vader, and it's about the Force be with you, and it's all about Star Trek. And you say, well, that doesn't sound like Star Trek to me. That sounds like a different kind of movie called Star Wars. Well, they both involve space, I would say, so they're close enough. What's the difference? Well, there's a huge difference. And in the same way, when you describe Jesus as being a creation of Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, that he was just the firstborn and he was not God Almighty, that's a different version of Jesus. Well, let me give you a citation from Bruce McConkie. Bruce R. McConkie was a Mormon apostle. He was the author of the book Mormon Doctrine. I'm citing from Mormon Doctrine, the 1966 edition. This is page 270. I think McConkie makes a very good point here. Now, his context is speaking of God in general, but I think it still works to the argument that Mr. Lawrence is raising in chapter 8 of his book. McConkie said, however, the mere worship of a God who has the proper scriptural names does not assure one that he is worshiping the true and living God. The true names of deity, for instance, are applied to the false concepts of God found in the apostate creeds of the day. Now, naturally, McConkie thinks that our view of God is apostate. It's heretical. I get that. I understand his worldview. But I think he's making a good point. Even though the Mormons may use the name Jesus, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are worshiping the true Jesus. And that's what McConkie's trying to argue here. Why don't Mormons listen to what he's saying here? That's one reason why I love Bruce McConkie. He was just so blunt. And I agree with what he's saying here in principle. Just because you claim to worship the same one, and he has the same name, doesn't necessarily mean they are the same. That's the point that we are making. Getting back to the argument that Mormon leaders themselves have made a distinction. You cite in your article Gordon B. Hinckley, who is the 15th president of the Mormon Church. Yeah, I give two citations. One comes from the Church News, June 20th, 1998, page 7, and he says, in bearing testimony of Jesus Christ, President Hinckley spoke of those outside the church who say Latter-day Saints do not believe in the traditional Christ. Quote, no, I don't, he said. The traditional Christ of whom they speak is not the Christ of whom I speak. For the Christ of whom I speak has been revealed in this, the dispensation of the fullness of times. He, together with his father, appeared to the boy Joseph Smith in the year 1820, and when Joseph left the grove that day, he knew more of the nature of God than all the learned ministers of the gospel of the ages. Now, why would we be concerned about that statement? Well, first of all, Hinckley is admitting that there is a distinct difference. But second of all, and I think this is often missed by those Latter-day Saints that we are talking to, Hinckley seems to put all his theological marbles regarding God into this one basket we might call Joseph Smith and what Joseph Smith said. And the one event, this being the first vision, mm -hmm. because that's what he's talking about here. Folks, there is a lot of evidence to show that this idea of the first vision was a later invention of Joseph Smith. Now think about that. If Joseph Smith made up this alleged first vision where God the Father and Jesus shows up to him and allegedly tells him that all the churches are wrong, their creeds are an abomination, their professors are all corrupt, and whatever he thinks that he gleaned from this alleged meeting is false, shouldn't we as Christians who are concerned for the Latter-day Saint 
point out a lot of these inconsistencies. When he says he knew more uh, after this encounter with God, he knew more of the nature of God than all the learned ministers of the gospel of the ages. My question is, what did he learn? What did he learn other than the fact that he believes after this alleged vision, and it was a vision, that there were two personages speaking to him? Did he know maybe that God was a man? No, that wasn't ever brought up. Would he know that God has a body of flesh and bones? No, because we have no mention of Joseph Smith touching these personages to show that they were physical entities. And remember, folks, it was a vision. And so what did he really learn? Did he learn from that encounter that God became God at a particular point in time? Or the idea that man can become God. You see, there's a lot of things that are assumed only because you're looking at the whole package of Mormonism. But when Hinckley says that after Joseph Smith left the grove that day in 1820, he knew more of the nature of God than all the learned ministers of the gospel of the ages, I would challenge that assumption based on what we have in Joseph Smith's testimony. But I go back to what he says about this idea of the traditional Jesus. He says, the traditional Christ of whom they speak is not the Christ of whom I speak. And he also says in a general conference talk in April of 2002, he says, as a church, we have critics, many of them. They say we do not believe in the traditional Christ of Christianity. There is some substance to what they say. So if Gordon B. Hinckley, the 15th president of the church, says that there is some substance to what Christians such as ourselves are saying about the fact that Mormons worship a different Jesus, why would we not say there seems to be a difference here? Gordon B. Hinckley seems to think so. Maybe it's that Mr. Lawrence doesn't agree with his 15th president, but we're taking his word as it is, and I think there is reason to say a statement like that. Now, in chapter 9, the title of that chapter is Mormons Believe They Are the Only True Church. What does Lawrence say about that accusation? First sentence of the chapter, yes, we have used that phrase, but a more accurate statement that we claim to be the only authorized church. I don't know how that helps. I mean, it just doesn't help. And as you bring out in your article, if a church is the only authorized church, then by definition is any other church authorized. I think, first of all, we need to tackle this problem. Mr. Lawrence, like many Latter-day Saints, have a false definition of what the church is. They believe that the church is an organization that Christ supposedly put together. And if you don't belong to that organization, you don't belong to the true church. Historically, the church has been defined as people whom Christ has redeemed. If you are forgiven of your sins, you are part of the church. The church is made up of individuals. Yes, many individuals getting together form a congregation. And yes, we do in our Western understanding will sometimes point to a building and say that is a church building. But technically, in the understanding of the New Testament, the church is composed of people. Because he gets this wrong, it's to be assumed he's going to get his understanding of the church wrong. When he says the only authorized church, 
it, that incorporates truth. I mean, listen to this quote from Preparing for Exaltation Teacher's Manual from 1998, page 99. It says, Testify that although other churches teach some truths and do many good things, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the only true church on the earth because it is the only church that has the complete gospel of Jesus Christ and the priesthood authority to perform ordinances in the name of Jesus Christ. There's the authority we're talking about. Then it says, it is Jesus' church, it has his name and his law, and it is led by his appointed representatives. Express your gratitude to Joseph Smith the prophet, through whom the Lord restored the true church. Going along those same lines, we have Spencer W. Kimball, who was the 12th president of the church, when he spoke in general conference back in 1976, this was April 1976, he said, Baptism into Christ's true church by proper authority opens the doors for exaltation in the eternal kingdoms of glory. Exaltation to be earned by repentance, by living righteously, keeping the commandments of the Lord, and service to one's fellowship. You can see, Spencer Kimball is giving a very traditional understanding of what he thinks the church church is. It's an organization. That's not what the New Testament teaches. Because they have a faulty definition, they have a faulty conclusion. Tomorrow we're going to continue looking at this book written by Gary C. Lawrence, a poster in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints titled Mormons Believe What? We hope you'll join us for that broadcast. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism. Mormonism 101, a book by Mormonism Research Ministries' Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson, has helped many who want to understand what separates Mormonism from the Christian faith. Mormonism 101 is available at your favorite Christian bookstore or online at mrm.org.